she started to wake up and she started to open her eyes and make a few movements, her right side of the body was assumed to be definitely paralyzed because the main injury had been on the left of her brain and so she was mostly moving her left side very little and then came the day on New Year's Day where they said they were going to take her off sedation and take the pipes out of her throat and we would be able to see whether or not she could speak or she could answer us or she was able to wake up what the situation would be. So we went in on the 1st of January with that as our goal and something that we did, you spoke about declarations. You heard our guest on Focus on the Family today speaking about those early days of her daughter Kiara's recovery from a car accident that had caused severe damage to her brain. Jackie Mungavin joins us again today to speak of the miracle that her family witnessed as the churches prayed with fervent faith for daily wins. This is Focus on the Family and your host is Graham Schnell and I'm Alison Schnell. Alison, we had a great conversation with Jackie Mungavin last time. She is such a gifted communicator, both written and spoken. Um, and God has used her ability and her family and their story for His glory. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we heard from Jackie yesterday a part of her story. Um, and we could hear the faith that carried her family through this difficult season in their lives. And that's our motivation in sharing this we will all face trials of different kinds but how do we apply those words in scripture that say take heart or be of good cheer because jesus has overcome and i think telling stories is so powerful because we we can put ourselves into the story and then we can learn lessons from the testimonies of others and so joining us to continue her story is Jackie Mungavin. Welcome back to Focus, Jackie. Thank you. Well, I think we should give a little bit of a, a recap for those who missed the program yesterday. And if you did, you can go onto our website and, and make sure you download that so you can catch up. But Jackie is the mom of seven children. And on Christmas Eve of 2018, she and her 13-year-old daughter at the time were involved in a car accident that caused a severe head injury in her daughter, Kiara. And the next number of weeks and months were something of a roller coaster ride and certainly an incredibly challenging time for her whole family as they nearly lost Kiara. And then the initially slow and uncertain road towards healing. Jackie, I want to dive back to the heart of what I think is the greatest testimony that has come out of your story. And we're going to hear more about Kiara and how God performed a miracle in her life. But before that, when there was uncertainty, you were able to be honest and vulnerable as you are today and aware yesterday about your, your struggle, but also just your unwaveringly secure, you were just unwaveringly secure in the love and so sovereignty of God. And I want to read an excerpt from your blog on the 31st of December. So this is New Year's Eve, just one week since the accident took place. And this is what you say, I don't think I have the faith to hope today to hope for her full recovery. I also don't have the faith to imagine handling a life impaired, but I do have the faith to wait, to rest in the unknown. God only gives us grace for today. I cannot rush ahead of grace into tomorrow. Take us back to that emotion and what gave you the ability to rest in the unknown? I remember hearing when I was younger that 
God gives us each the grace for our own situations. And often when we look at other people's situations or we take upon ourselves situations that God has not given for us to handle, we find them completely overwhelming. And that obviously stood out to me. And so in that moment of everything being unsure, as well as just being unable to handle all the different outcomes, I remember just thinking, well, where is God's grace? If I can find that and stay there, I'll be okay. And the only place where God's grace was in, it was in the today. Today, we could wait. We could wake up. We could go to the hospital. We could see Kiara in the state that she was in. We could hear the news that the doctors had to tell us. And there would be grace for today, for the waiting. We didn't have to. And I think so often we wonder when we worry, as the Bible tells us not to worry, and we run ahead to bridges that God hasn't built yet. And we wonder why we don't have the grace to cross this. I don't know. I could never handle it if if my child died. I could never handle it if my husband cheated on me. I could never handle it if God said, well, of course you couldn't because it's not happened to you and I haven't given you the grace for it. If something comes along in that day, I'll give you the grace for it. And I think there lies far too much of my anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the role of the church community coming alongside you during this trial because you had massive support from the church being the leaders of the church but I think just because of uh, the way you've led people came alongside you yes honestly I I don't think it had anything to do with being leadership in the community because the communities that gathered around us were all our friends and many of the churches in Durban it was the most beautiful uh, act of unity I think we've seen in in Durban certainly that I've seen uh, to the point where many, many, many kids' churches, Sunday schools, whatever they were doing on, on that next Sunday, the kids, the kids' teachers in Durban collaborated and all the children did a similar lesson so that they were, because all, many of the children were carrying a lot, of, a lot of the prayer burden. And so they processed the children together through what was happening in Durban, which was just the most beautiful act of unity. I would say... If you want to invest your life, invest in community. We have to know where we can invest. So often we're investing in places and things that cannot come through for us when we really need them to. Yeah. But And I must give credit to my husband. I think my husband is a person who really understands the value of relationships. Yeah. He, he spends a large part of his working week investing in people, uh, not just people within our community, but leaders in Durban uh, and just in the community and he understands that is where you will get your greatest return and in that moment when we needed people the most there was the most incredible harvesting of unity and of investment and people gathered to pray and people gathered to care that's what the church is and it's what it's meant to be and what I loved about it is none of it was driven by us at all in fact um, we didn't know when prayer meetings were being organized we didn't know all the things that were happening there's some things that I still hear about today that were happening and so there was this drive of the church to pick up the burden of one another and be able to carry it it was the most beautiful thing to the point where the hospital there was so many hundreds of people coming through the hospital that being holiday season they had their day ward available open uh, well closed and so they opened it just for us as a prayer room and for people who were sleeping at the hospital because they didn't want Kiara to ever be unattended by prayer they were sleeping in the day ward and some sleeping taking turns praying and it was the most incredible thing for me even while I was 
seeing with sitting with Kiara in ICU if three o'clock in the morning I felt that I wanted someone to pray with I could just go down to the day ward and there was this meeting going on and I could join in and uh, receive prayer and then go up again it really was the unity was incredible yeah wow we actually popped in uh, and we met some of the, the kids, many of them kids that were sleeping. Yes. They, they refused to leave the hospital, yes. I think, and so their parents were having to drop off clothes yes. so that they can stay there. But not just the kids. I think there were just friends that were there. They had posters on the wall. There were declarations that people were declaring over Kiara. Uh, people were dropping off food, and it was just an incredible, as you said, just a glimpse of... God's design for community and I think that was such a powerful thing and part of that I think was was also your vulnerability and being open about it and I think God put that on your heart I I don't think necessarily everyone would do the same but uh, I I think God wanted to use your story and your ability and your openness to share your story to create something of that community and then use that as part of his redemption and the outcome in the end as well but let's continue then with some of the rest of the journey with Kiara so because we've from a practical side we've left her in quite dire straits um, in terms of the listeners hearing where she's at so what was the some of the rest of the process uh, as the doctors continued to to work with her and gave you news on what was next steps so the expectation from the surgeons was on Boxing Day was death. Uh, they asked us to bring in our children. We stopped worrying about germs and uh, infection, and we brought them in one but two by two, I think, into ICU to say goodbye to her. And the grannies and grandpas were allowed in to say goodbye. At this point in time, it had not only been 70 hours without oxygen, uh, plus the actual what they said was the greatest extent of brain damage that you can get because they scale it. And um, in addition to that, her heart had started failing and things were not going well. And so it looked like it was going to be the end. If that was not the end, then there was no, we were given, I mean, the doctors obviously, it's very difficult to be able to say things, but it was just, she's not going to be there there is extensive brain damage that's all all that he could say if she survives there is very extensive damage to her brain you can physically see it Uh, and without the oxygen she is not going to be the same again when she started to wake up from her coma which was after about a week uh, which was not uh, that in itself was not a big surprise that because she hadn't died they assumed that she would then her brain stem would survive and she would be able to breathe mm. but not necessarily gain thoughtful consciousness and she started to wake up and she started to open her eyes and make a few movements her right side of the body was assumed to be definitely paralyzed because the main injury had been on the left of her brain and so she was mostly moving her her left side very very little and then came the day on New Year's Day where they said they were going to take her off sedation and take the pipes out of her throat and we would be able to see whether or not she could speak or she could answer us or she was able to wake up what the situation would be. So we went in on the 1st of January with that as our goal and something that we did, you spoke about declarations, 
which the prayer team drove together with us as I was blogging and, and writing is it was it was every day it was faithful today today we're hoping that she will wake up calm that's all that was the the win for today so every day had its own wins and its own things that we were praying for so the win for the first of January was she would wake up and she would not be in a in a panicked state because when she had the accident she was in a type of unconsciousness which is called combative so she was kicking and kicking around um, and there is the possibility that she would wake up like that and that was my one I just wanted her to be calm uh, so that we could at least care for her well and as she woke up she opened her eyes and she looked at us there was not much recognition uh, she looked at the nurse much the same way as she looked at us and I instantly started to talk to her and started to explain to her that she was in hospital, she was going to be okay, etc, etc. And by that afternoon, I think, I would have to go back, she was answering, looking at us with recognition, nodding her head. I showed her a picture of uh, her brothers and sister and she was able to touch them to name she was able to point at what, who they were and so we realized there was a bit of recognition there she was going to be coming back to us and then I think it was that it actually went quite quickly she woke up without the ability to speak but I think by that afternoon the first of January I think by the afternoon she was writing her name with her right hand which they thought would be paralyzed and um, she couldn't spell it correctly at that moment but she could use her right hand and she was trying to write in cursive and it took actually only a few days before she was actually speaking um, on that first day she took a book and she held it and she turned the pages and she was scanning so I could only assume she was reading I could I asked her do you understand and she nodded but I didn't know if it was by memory and so she started to wake up and she started to recognize us I think it was also that day that she reached up and stroked Richard's head and his mm. beard in the same way that she had done previously and so there were so many keys that we could see instantly I brought her ballet shoes in and she just touched them lovingly so we could see she she still loves reading she still loves ballet she still loves us she's still affectionate um, she's still considerate because of the way that she would respond to us looking at us if we were okay so there was a lot that we got on that first day and the aim was just for her to wake up calm the aim was for her to wake up calm. The nurse couldn't believe it. She was quite an experienced, an older nurse. She said, I have never, ever seen a calm head injury patient before. She's not agitated. She woke up, when she woke up, they had tied her hands down in case she would start pulling at cords and things, but she was completely calm. Just coming back a little bit to the community, because I think it's so powerful, but I think we can also learn lessons as a community that wants to come alongside others that are going through trials. Uh, give us some of the do's and don'ts in terms of those that really helped uh, and those that maybe were maybe wanting to help but possibly weren't as helpful as they could have been. So I think some people think that if they've got nothing to do, like they don't know how they can help, that they shouldn't be there. Mm. I would disagree with that. Presence mm. is key. Uh, we had a couple that didn't really know our kids, so they couldn't look after our kids. They weren't going to be making dinner for us because there were other people doing that, and yet they were on, on holiday in America, and they got on a plane and came home immediately just to say, we're here. I don't know if you need us, but we're present. Mm -hmm. And so presence was incredibly key to us at that point. And I don't think we realized quite how important it was at the time because it was 
Christmas Eve and even our, our staff and people that we are closely connected with, we would say, just go on holiday. We don't know how long this is going to be. When you come back, we'll need you. We realized that was really the wrong thing, both for them and for us. It was very, very difficult to actually get those friendships back on track because we had to actually do intentional work. There's not a lot of big moments in a person's life. There are weddings and births and, and major traumas. And actually in those big moments, if we want to be, have a deep relationship, we need to be there. That was sure. key for a do, do be present. Yeah. Uh, don't feel that your presence requires words. There was so much going on in our heads, so much that we needed to think. We wanted to hear from God. You don't need wisdom. I don't, we didn't need to hear what we should be thinking, that it was okay. We just needed presence. Yeah. And so I think there were far too many words sometimes. Uh, we had bodyguards, which was amazing, and I'm using that in a, in a humorous sense, from the sense that there were friends of ours who would say to some people, I'm sorry, you can't come in here. Not necessarily because those people, obviously their intentions were completely good towards us, yeah. but maybe from an emotional point of view, it wouldn't have been helpful because there was too many of them. And then I have key <laughs> that cannot go unsaid. The words, I just need to give you a hug. Yeah. No, it's not about what you need right now. <laughs> I just need to give you a hug means I need it. Yeah. If you need to give me a hug, then don't. Yeah. Why don't you rather wait and see what you think I need? Sure. Because people would arrive and trauma goes in waves. It has to. You have to be able to survive. And so there's moments when you're literally just sitting down, having a coffee while your daughter is fighting for your life. And that's okay. And you are giggling about the paint color on the wall. That is allowed. For someone to then walk in, see you, and burst into tears and say, I just have to give you a hug and want to hold you for 10 minutes. All they're doing is putting their emotions onto you. You are handling so many of your own emotions. So I think it is key. If you want to support someone, read their emotions mm. and support their emotions. Yeah. Don't bring your emotions into it. There's time for that. So you go to someone who's processing less and give them your emotions. You don't put it onto the person who is in the center of the trauma. Yeah. Brilliant. So be present and then join them in, in their world. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Don't tell them what your kids are doing. Don't tell them what is happening in your life to distract them. They're, they're not listening. <laughs> All they need is presence. And if they lead the conversation to, oh, what happened on the cricket? Then perfect. If not, don't talk about the cricket. Yeah. yeah. Jackie, we, we do want to now ask how Kiara is doing. And we want to know if you can just share with us a little bit about Kiara's journey. We've spoken about how you've processed this from a, a parenting perspective, but can you share with us how Kiara's doing and how this has been an, an impact on her life and how she's been a testimony for God's glory? So for some unknown reason, God chose to bring an unheard of, unbelievable miracle into our lives. And to the amazement of every medical person that knows anything about the brain, Kiara, when she woke up, was returned to us within weeks in her original form. She, she finished her appropriate year by the end of 2019. So she had the whole of term one to do grade one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. And then in term two, three, and four, she did grade eight. Yeah. 
She did excellently in term three, which was six months after the accident. She went and did her intermediate foundation ballet exam, which is a major ballet exam. It was when she was supposed to do it. She got honors with distinction, which is quite remarkable in the normal world. In the normal <laughs> sense, ballet is an elitist sport. They don't hand out honors with distinction freely. Yeah. And she is kind, she's compassionate, she's capable, she's the child that when I walk out the door I can say, Kiara, can you make sure that you turn off the oven and tell the other kids to get out the bath and do this and do that. And she is organized. She is completely and utterly returned to us, which has been remarkable. To be honest, this is quite a, a sweet miracle. Kiara's granny, Richard's mum, uh, this Christmas Eve, this last Christmas Eve, was somewhere and she bumped into an older lady and this lady was wanting to give her give a gift to a neighbor and she happened to intercept them because she was at the neighbor's house and she said I don't celebrate Christmas but I know that this lady does that you're visiting so I'd like to give her a gift and so Jenny Richard's mum said that's very kind thank you uh, and she said well we are don't celebrate Christmas but we are having a family celebration today so Kiara's grand said, oh, what are you celebrating? She said, well, this time last year, my grandson, who is a neurosurgeon, performed a surgery on a little girl, and it was an absolute miracle. And so our family is celebrating the anniversary of this miraculous occasion that our grandson was involved in as a neurosurgeon, which obviously she then laughed and said, the little girl is my granddaughter. And so it was an amazing story, the point being that uh, the medical world couldn't believe what happened yeah. with her and the doctors can't believe how amazingly she's come through. It was an absolute act of God and we believe that it wasn't for nothing. It wasn't just for Kiara. It wasn't just for us. God mm -hmm. wasn't just answering our prayers. In fact, he settled in our hearts that we were okay with having our miracle in his timing. If that meant eternity, then that was sufficient for us because he knows all things. But why I believe that Kiara is actually a sign and a wonder and not just a miracle for herself is because in this whole thing, from the moment she woke up, I mentioned she was very calm. There was utter surrender in her, utter surrender. She woke up and I said to her, Kiara, I know that you can't talk right now and I know that you feel sore. You are going to be okay and you just need to calm, stay calm and listen to everything I say. And she submitted and she surrendered in that moment. And the next day, and the next day, and every step, she would stare in my eyes while she was having a medical procedure, which was incredibly painful, which some of them, we'd, for her privacy, I won't go into, but things that she would ha had to go through, and she would look at me, and I would look at her, and I'd say, Kiara, you've got this. I say you can do it, and so therefore you can do it. And there was utter surrender. She has not once complained to this day, 15 months later. She has not once said, why me? She has not... She has had zero fight back to what she has gone through. And she hasn't just gone through that. Her whole life was turned upside down because she became something of a local celebrity. She's had her head shaved. She's, you know, walking around with scars on her head. She is, has people that come and want to just come and visit her so that they can have a conversation with her. She stepped into this whole new life of being a sign and a wonder and she's not said, why me? And I've said to her on many occasions, Kiara, if you don't want this life, you just tell me and I'll switch it off instantly. All we do is we don't post anything, we don't let anyone know your story and it's over. And she's consistently said, no, if this is what God wants to do with me, 
a surrender. And the reason that I mention that is because I, I believe that Kiara is a sign and a wonder for what God wants to do through the church, definitely in South Africa, um, in terms of the unity that was around her story, but the unity witnessed surrender. And the unity witnessed the miracle that comes through surrender. That Kiara trusted me because she knew that I followed God. And if the church can trust the fallible leaders that are trusting in God and trust that they are being led by the Spirit and that they are leading the church into a place of wholeness, even though it's incredibly painful, even though sometimes it looks like shame of scars and having your head shaved, and sometimes it looks like glory of being recognized on every street corner. If the church is willing to surrender to that, I believe that the miracle of its full health and full recovery and full life and full significance is just around the corner. Mm. Well, Jackie, thank you for painting that picture. I think, thank you for being open and vulnerable to share your story, your story of surrender, um, and then the story of Kiara's surrender and that beautiful picture, that prophetic picture of what the church can be. Uh, and I don't want to brush over the miraculous. We serve an almighty God who's able to do yes. more than we can ask or imagine. Um, but I think deeper than that, your story of that he's good no matter what. Uh, and we surrender to him and Kiara did that too. And so thank you for being willing to share your story. Thank you to Kiara. Please pass on our thanks for her availability and her uh, willingness to be able to share the, this incredible story that just gives glory to God and I think encourages people uh, because we are all going to face trials of different kinds um, but to be able to cling to the hope of who God is in the midst of those trials is vital for us so thank you so much for being with us pleasure thank you thank you so me. much Jackie your story has definitely touched so many lives thank you thank you those words that Jackie spoke towards the end of the program where Kiara said if this is what God wants to do with me, I surrender, just brought me to tears once again. Kiara really is a sign and a wonder that the church should take note of. God wants us to surrender all to him and know that he is sovereign and almighty. And I think the testimony we've heard today testifies to that. If you are walking alongside someone who is going through testing times, be it sickness or financial difficulty, grief, you name it, just remember Jackie's words. Be present and join them in their world. Our resource offering today is Jackie's book called Finding Home. Inspired by a true adoption story, this novel is a call to lay down agendas and fears and to have the courage to follow God beyond the safety of familiar shores. It will challenge you, inspire you, and leave you hungry for the more that God has for you. You can order your copy online at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.